Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 104 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got uh, Bill Sudden with me from Zintegra Bill Delivery uh, Services King. How's it going? Going well, Andy. Can't complain. Didn't know you were the king, did you? No, I'm not the team, for sure. Part <laughs> of the team. All right. Also with us in a, a regular these days is Todd Smith, who is a uh, director of sales engineering, I think, north for Citrix. Todd, how's it going? I'm doing very well, Andy. Thank you very much. You're at the title or close enough? Yeah, it's close enough. It's, uh, yeah, northeast, uh, which is basically Maine down through Virginia. Yeah. A big, uh, big patch these days. Yep. Sure uh, is. And we're lucky enough to have Alan Ferminski with us. Alan, what is your actual title these days? Uh, title these days is Principal Product Marketing Manager. Is there a certain subset of products that fall under your uh, regime? Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of work on analytics. I own part of uh, apps and desktops, including HDX user experience and workspace environment management. I think our, our topic for today. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so let me set this up. Today's uh, title of the blog is Get More Out of Your Native underscore the word native there, Azure Virtual Desktop, AVD, with Citrix, with the Citrix Optimization Pack. Let's break down that title just a little bit more. So uh, a lot of our listeners are familiar with AVD, uh, Azure Virtual Desktop, which in my mind has two components. It's the Azure uh, Virtual Client, uh, Windows 10, Windows 11 virtual machines that are running in Azure. And then it also has the uh, Microsoft Brokering and Management piece which would be the, uh, the AVD broker manager uh, within AVD stack. Citrix has a long history of making Azure desktops work well, probably best on the market. What we're talking about here today is taking some of that secret, uh, not secret, but some of that special secret uh, Citrix sauce and applying that to native AVD. Alan, did I decently explain that? Yes, very decently, Andy. Great job there. And specifically, the thing we're going to talk about today is the uh, Windows, uh, excuse me, Workspace Environment Management piece of Citrix, which um, maybe you can tell us a quick story on where that came from. Also, acronym uh, known for as the acronym WIM, quite often when you talk to your average Citrix person who, uh, like all of us IT guys, throws out acronyms like everybody knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, let, let's let's start there. And uh, thanks again for inviting me, Andy. I think this is maybe the fifth or sixth one I've, I've done with you. So around WEM, many Citrix admins hopefully know WEM, but if you don't, WEM or Workspace Environment Management came from an acquisition Citrix did back in 2016, organization by the name of Norscale. And it's all designed to ensure that you're getting the most out of your current and future investment. And what I mean by that is it is fully optimizing the environment, providing increased scalability, user density, optimizing logon times, controlling security aspects and GPO processing. So, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic solution. In short, when I'm having conversations with customers on the Citrix side, I always say, hey, if you're not using WEM, you're literally leaving money on the table. It's, it's as simple as that because it, it helps you do more while ultimately spending less. And, and the other three of us, plus yourself, I'm sure, we remember a time when you could get this type of um, enhancement to your environment, but you paid for it. Now it's just part of the Citrix entitlements. Exactly. And speaking of being a part of the Citrix entitlement, since we recently repackaged some of our offerings, workspace environment management is now included across the board. So regardless of what 
Citrix cloud solution you're using or Citrix on-premises solution you're using for app and desktop delivery, you're going to get this in, in your bundle. And, and as always, we encourage you to take advantage of it. And I think I need to call something out here. This actually says includes uh, workspace environment management, WIM, service. Is there still such thing as a uh, on-premises version of WIM or are all WIM rollouts part of the service these days? Yeah, great question, Andy. So there is very much a WEM on-premises. And just to kind of provide some background there, like we've done over the years with many of our core capabilities, we've sort of uh, cloudified or SASified them, if you will. And we've offloaded the management plane and back-end infrastructure so customers can focus on more of the strategic part, which is what they're actually delivering. And yes, if you're an on-premises customer, you'll still have WEM on-premises. And that means you'll set up and manage the management console, and it requires the backend SQL database in addition to the agents that will go on, on your VDAs. In the case of the WEM cloud service, it's more turnkey, and you can just proceed to installing the agent, connecting it up, and realizing the value uh, that much quicker for Citrix Cloud customers. And I want to bring Todd and Bill into the introduction section of this blog. I did have one more question for you. Is the idea from Citrix that there will be one optimization pack that customers can, can buy and, and sign up for that includes a whole bunch of things? Or is there going to be a specific optimization pack they can sign up for per entity, per, uh, per feature set that Citrix has? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, where we're at today is this specific optimization pack that we'll be discussing. It's targeted on Azure Virtual Desktop and it's tested on the Azure Virtual Desktop platform. It's available through those channels, namely the Azure Marketplace. So I know we'll, we'll get in greater detail there. Uh, so that is effective with that offering. If you're taking advantage of the workspace environment management and either the service flavor or on-premises, then you're able to realize that benefit with any of the Citrix DAS or Citrix virtual apps and desktops um, solutions. So, um, so longer term, we're kind of thinking through the strategy in terms of how we're going to optimize and include other components, other capabilities, and potentially other third-party delivery platforms. On that note, though, I will say, and I'm sure some of you know, the term optimization or optimizer is slightly overloaded. <laughs> we, do, we do have something called the Citrix Optimizer Tool. And I just want to call that out that that is a separate free tool that helps optimize portions of the desktop image, tweaking things like Windows services, registry tweaks to make it as lean and mean as possible prior to capturing an image. And that is different than what we're going to be talking about here, the Citrix optimization pack. So I did want to uh, make that distinction because, yeah, there's all kinds of overloaded names, terms, acronyms, and want to try to make it as clear as we can. And I think for me, I caught the key thing is this is something you're going to buy through the marketplace in Azure. That's how you're going to get this particular piece, right? Yeah, that's definitely one way to get it, Andy. So customers can just go right to Azure Marketplace. If you search Citrix optimization or Citrix optimization pack, it'll come right up. We've got all the information there and you can transact there. Or another way is contact one of your trusted Citrix partners like Zentegra and they'll help you out. So uh, Todd and Bill, without jumping into the meat of what we're going to talk about for the rest of it, as far as like the intro and the concept, anything else you would highlight? Yeah, Andy. So, so one of the biggest things um, that we were talking about with the optimization pack is 
you know, as Alan mentioned, there, there's the optimization prior to capture and prior to building out the environment. And then there's the constant updating based on behavior and response times. And, you know, you push out a new GPO into your organization. How do you get that included into your desktop images and in your desktop environment? Um, and a lot of that came, a lot of that in the past used to be a consulting engagement, right? Or a services engagement. Uh where you'd have to go in and solve specific problems. So whether it be a login time issue for a group of users or a, a specific location where they're coming in from, um, or a customer gets their, you know, they get their consumption bills and they, they realize that they're spending money on stuff that they're really not using and they want to optimize it that way. Um, the other big things are around thing uh, around enhancing that user experience, right? So what can we do to not only control behavior, but guide people as well as correct uh, either bad behavior or potentially um, give them improvements based on some optimizations and updates to, you know, the Windows operating system, um, all while trying to make sure that we're enhancing that security and control aspect of it. Bill, any other pieces of this? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think from an end user perspective or, or enhancing the end user experience, this goes a long way and we'll see this a little bit as we get into it. But being able to control more of the desktop um, to, to manage settings in one place, uh, you may still have to do some things in GPOs, but by being able to leverage WIM, there's a lot of benefit in being able to help, uh, to Todd's point, reduce login times um, and and provide you know specific icons on the desktop, uh, access to certain drives, lots of things on a more granular level that, that you could do with uh, a lot of the native tools, not to mention the uh, the ability of, of, of being able to better control CPU and IO or CPU and RAM um, using the WIM add-in tools uh, is certainly a big advantage here and helps helps improve the user experience and overall density for the organization. At some point in this conversation, I wanna get you guys your take on how WIM and FS Logics come together to give the user that uh, user experience they're looking for, especially as you're talking about non-persistent uh, you know, application and desktop workloads. But I'll ask this question of the group. Uh, if you run into a Citrix customer or, or EUC virtual desktop VDI customer that you haven't had a lot of impact on, what's their still number one complaint after all these years? I don't know if I see number one complaint, but you know, when I first started at Citrix years ago, I started in tech support and the most nebulous kind of cases that crop up are my Citrix session are, is slow, right? It's not performing the way it should. And users expect, I think rightfully so, that they should have a performant experience when they log on at 9 a.m. They're able to quickly access the resources they need to be productive, that the session's responsive. And remember, as IT, we're doing this amongst an increasingly diverse and remote distributed workforce, right? So the challenges are piling up and it's our job to ensure that we're providing that best possible experience while at the same time ensuring that we can manage, manage costs, right? That's, that's incredibly important that we have the, the appropriate um, uh, maximum user density that we can, whether we're doing a server OS in the cloud we're taking advantage of some of the unique AVD capabilities that you alluded to, Andy, the Win 10 and Win 11 enterprise multi-session. Uh, just, just, again, getting the most out of, out of current and future investments while also providing a sense of control and security. So that, that's, that's another element that's often, I think, perhaps overlooked yeah. with the workspace environment management capabilities. 
I'll just throw one great use case there, um, legacy applications, which pretty much every enterprise, pretty much any company has some legacy apps that are, that are still around. And how do you handle that when legacy apps are trying to write to the root of the C drive or require elevated permissions? Well, WEM can handle that very efficiently and very securely for you because all that runs in the context of the WEM software. So you never have to and never should give users elevated access permissions and the apps can complete, do what they need to do, full logging, full paper trail. So that's just one great additional use case in addition to the, the performance and scalability benefits. Yeah, let, we're going we're gonna to jump into I, I, I did a bad job setting up that question. Bill, what's the number <laughs> no one thing when we talk to a customer for the first time that they're complaining about and we're going, oh my goodness, how can you not be past that after all these years? Um, I would probably say login times. Um, you know, the, the, it's some customer saying it's taking our users two minutes to log in. I would also agree with Alan that uh, obviously the performance of the session is one that was very key. But I'd say the most common one that I ran into and still run into is is really slow logins. Well, and that, that's why I brought it up so so much. I mean, it's it, in, in the beginning of this this conversation, right? I, I I love what we're getting ready to talk about in more detail: security and elevation and optimized performance, but. I can't believe I still talk to so many customers that have two minute logins. I was with somebody in Chicago last week and they have a two minute login and their current partner consultant was with us at lunch. And I'm like, how can you let this go on? Do you not know? And he didn't know. He doesn't know Wim. He doesn't know FS logics. And I, I just don't know why customers just sit there and beat their head against the wall when there's so many great tools out there to fix this problem. Uh, so let's let's let's. Uh... Hey, hey, Andy. One, one quick one quick commentary on that one is you you almost have to look at what they're comparing the login times to. So yeah. if you've got a if you're comparing it to a local machine that's got solid state drives, that's got super fast memory, that's got all of the enhancements for that physical device, yeah. they they're looking and comparing their virtual environment like that, right? There, but they're not seeing that during that login. You're updating GPOs, you're going through and setting up and configuring the environment for that user, for that specific user. And you're not, you know, you don't have the same amount of customizations and things that have to happen to make that user, give that user a better experience across, quite frankly, a, a shared environment on the back end, well, shared okay? resources. Would it be okay if I said that that's what we should be comparing our virtual desktop experience to that, Absolutely. To that login of a local high-speed desktop? And if we don't quite make it, that's okay. But if yep. we're two and a half minutes, that's not acceptable. That was acceptable 20 years ago, kind of. Yep. Certainly not now. So, so we used to do, when we would go out and prep customers to use, you know, VDI, the old Zen desktop, when it, when it first came out, we would go through a whole series of scripts. And you would ask, what what is your login scripts look like? What do all of your GPOs look like? And go through almost line by line and say, you know what? You're connecting to some drives. Or you're connecting to printer resources. And basically, those resources, if it could not connect immediately, it had to wait for those to time out. And that, caused, that was one of the root causes of a lot of these login problems. Um, not going through and cleaning up. And, you know, I... I say this an awful lot with customers that are going and migrating towards virtual desktops or a DAS solution, right? It's the equivalent of if I'm going to migrate to a virtual desktop environment or, or, or DAS, I want to make sure I clean up as much of my stuff before I bring it with me. And the equivalent to that is when you move 
houses. You don't take all your, you have a yard sale, you throw out your trash. You, you don't bring that to the new house, right? This is an opportunity to kind of clean up before you move instead of after. Yeah. And, and Todd, if you just left customers all to themselves to do it, what happens? They just, they just throw it under the, under the bed at best and expect it to magically work better. Yep. Now we do have the benefits of um, whim, which is why we're talking about this. We have the benefits and maybe Alan, maybe you want to jump in here and talk about maybe how FS logics and whim play well together uh, as an example. And then we also have, um, you know, opportunities to clean up and, and use uh, policy and profile management from a, a third-party system and or, you know, optimize what we're doing in Active Directory better. And then we have under the covers, we have SSD with the power of hyperconverged and Nutanix and other players where we don't have those really slow, scuzzy drives anymore, uh, slowing us down at the disk layer object. Yeah, I, I can give some initial comments there and would definitely welcome input from the group as well. At the end of the day, Profiles is a big consideration as part of the overall environment architecture. You need to understand the user needs, the application needs, and, and really how you're designing that is going to have a huge impact on the overall uh, performance and usability of the environment. All the solutions that, that you just named, right? I mean, we're talking about WAM, Citrix Profile Management, FS Logic type capabilities. These are all tools in the toolbox to help you design this, right? What are we including or excluding from the profile? Uh, which elements might we want to attach or stream? And how does this affect the application estate? Many of these fundamental questions get back to understanding the applications that users are going to be accessing, right? What are they doing with the profile? And how are they working with, with app data? Where are the, are the settings going? And, you know, in some cases, customers try to perhaps over over architect things where maybe maybe there's cases where you can get away with the more simplistic solution and usually the simpler approach is um, is is the better approach right instead of having to um, you know get into some of the finer complexities and remember as well that um, you know many customers have multiple environments multiple images and multiple needs if there's cases where you can get away with just standard throw away profiles, local profiles, and keep things simple, then I think that's absolutely the, the way you want to go. But if there are times, right, where, where you do need to maintain certainly uh, uh, preferences, states, um, you know, application uh, bookmarks, and everything else that your applications involve, then I would encourage customers to understand the options that they have available and definitely work with experts as well, right? And that's where you, you leverage the expertise of, of partners that have done this before. You leverage the great community and, and understand the best path forward. So that's a little bit of food for thought and would absolutely love, um, I guess, if Todd and Bill have some other uh, points on that too. This is one of those one where less is more and minimalistic yeah. is the right approach because all that junk you've been carrying around that once you move, especially once you move to an SSD drive on your local hard drive, you didn't notice anymore. All that's going to become very noticeable in a, in a virtual world. Uh, Todd, Bill, any thoughts on this? And, and Bill, at some point, if you can specifically tie in how we're seeing this and, and FS logics tie together to make an optimal user experience. Yeah, I certainly. So, you know, we, if, if you're going from physical to virtual, then, then a lot of those considerations that Alan mentioned, but even if you're going virtual to virtual, uh, like to, to Todd's point where you're cleaning house, 
you really need to, they really need to isolate, you know, analyze what they've been doing, what they've been saving, where they've been saving it. If you're talking about Azure, do they have the right file storage set up for the FSLogix uh, profile storage? Uh, because, you know, FSLogix, what it does is attaches the container. It's not writing all that data back and forth like it is with a traditional profile solution. So it helps optimize and speed up the login process. And then when you start getting into things like the Office Suite, Office 365 and the cache that goes along with like Outlook, for example, uh, being able to persist that across a reboot, if you do that in a traditional profile solution, um, you know, in a, if, if, if you take the existing profiles that are that are on an endpoint, then that cache is on the hard drive of that device. If you move that to a virtual environment, then that's got to be somewhere. Um, and if you're doing non-persistent uh, desktops, uh, non-persistent workloads, then you've got to have that cache present. And if you have to pull that that multi multi gigabyte file over the, the network at login, that's going to take a long time and slow the logins down. So there's a myriad of factors, and certainly FS Logics helps a lot with uh, with the profile piece. But then, of course, you bring something like WIM in to help em enhance the user experience and improve performance from a density and CPU and RAM perspective. So they work really well together, in my view. Um, the majority of our, our consulting engagements, we recommend FS Logics where it fits. There are cases where they don't have the Office 365 suite or they have some specific needs, we'll fall back to an older profile solution or a, or a, a compo uh, comparable solution. Uh, but we almost always lead with FS Logics and WIM now. We're putting WIM in most of our, our standard builds to, um, to, to do exactly the things that it's designed to do. And a couple of things real quick. So uh, FS Logics is the only supported way to do that Outlook cache. And you can't have an Outlook user in a non-persistent without that local file. I mean, you could have, you could do a real time to the server, but that's, that's calling across the internet. And, you know, you do indexing and you try to search for stuff and it is just a pain and you'll get lots of bad phone calls. And then uh, Alan mentioned something a while ago, and I just want to highlight this where you implement using WIM. But one of the nicest things about WIM versus FS Logics, which is just this bucket that's going to fill up and fill up and fill up, is that WIM is the key for maintaining that cleanliness. If you, you know, going back to Todd's example about moving, if you, okay, you moved, now don't let that ever happen again. This is your chance to do it. Yeah, absolutely. One thing on that note, I'll mention as well, just from a cleanliness perspective, and when we talk about the WEM cloud service, is that we're we're introducing this new uh, web GUI, right? So much like we did with the with the main studio console, and we kind of you know thought through that, we modernized it to be web native, not not just web native, but more performant, and really looked at many of the common tasks that administrators would perform because ten and fifteen seconds saved here and there over the days and weeks uh, really add up. So um, very much on, on that journey to take WEM from what many folks may be aware of in more of a traditional MMC console on-premises to really rethink a lot of those tasks to be more uh, more cloud native. Yep, you know, web, webifying those consoles where they're native, you know, native web, but you guys are working hard to take all those legacy products and make them native in the cloud. And access that way. Oh, let's let's tackle the next one here, Alan. Um, we talked about logins I, again. I jokingly say I can't believe we're still talking about slow logins after all these years, but that's 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 solvable these days with some architecture and some technology. Uh, the next one on the list here of things that Wim's going to do for you in a native, and I can't stress the word native enough, AVD uh, environment is uh, system optimization. What what's that mean? Yeah, so so system optimization or or your image optimization uh, really ensures that when users are connected in their sessions, and this could be one-to-one -one traditional VDI 
or it could be multi-user like we spoke about earlier in a server or a Win 10, Win 11 multi-session capacity. Every user is different. And even if you have users that are among the same class, right, your typical knowledge worker working with office applications, uh, user A can be more resource intensive than user B, right? So how do you handle that, especially when they're coexisting on that, on that same host? Uh, system optimization makes the most intelligent use of your RAM, your CPU, and your I.O., and it does so in real time to ensure that everyone's getting a great experience and we're, 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 we're fair sharing resources. The way this works is the agent is intelligently analyzing what's happening at a process and more specifically a thread level. So it knows if one particular uh, process or threads are consuming excessive CPU cycles, for example. It can detect that, it can lower that process priority in real time. So the user can still get done the task they need to, while at the same time, it's preserving the performance of that host and ultimately, in many cases, preventing a, a help desk ticket. Uh, take the web browser, for example, right? That's one of the biggest memory hogs still, right? If you launch your web browser in your instance, you're probably gonna take, you know, I think on my local machine, it's like usually takes around a gig or more than a gig is, is what it hovers around. Um, I can tell you that for a fact that the web browser requests far more memory in its working set than it actually needs, uh, just so it can have it on hand. And, and that's because it just wasn't designed for VDI state. I mean, I remember, gosh, probably like seven, eight years ago, I worked with, um, with the Google Chrome team to help optimize Google Chrome. And that time it was uh, with ZenApp. So, you know, right from the, right from the earlier days when uh, Google Chrome was, I'd say more in its infancy than it is now, it was an optimized solution in a ZenApp multi, multi-user environments. So, you know, we've thought about this and we continue to work with these uh, various vendors, but at the end of the day, the browser is still primarily designed to be run on endpoints and by itself, it's not very efficient <laughs> to be honest, especially when it comes to RAM consumption. So we can with WEM automatically detect that and have the browser think it has this working set of memory, but we can swap and we can do things on the back end to make far more efficient use of memory if there's other sessions or other processes that really uh, need that memory. So in short, it's the most intelligent use of CPU, RAM, and IO that you can possibly have in either a, a single user scenario or a multi-user scenario. So you know, you're, getting, you're getting the best of, of, of what you've got available. And Todd, if I were to say that's extremely important now because of multi-session Win 10, Windows 11, and Azure being about the only way you can cost-effectively run a bunch of desktops, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it actually, you know, as, as Alan was talking about this, I, I go back to the Wayback Machine when I was uh, first getting into IT and I was a... Uh, I was a job scheduler on a mainframe and AS400 platform where basically I had to look and see which jobs to schedule to run and looking at which ones could interact well with each other, which ones were going to be the CPU hog, which ones were going to, to consume way too many resources because we were doing batch processing at night and then interactive processing throughout the day. And you never wanted to have those two mix. So WEM, WEM to me is a uh, is a lifesaver nowadays because it does a lot of that scheduling and a lot of that resource management, where you can actually see the impact of 
you know the the noisy neighbors or the 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 challenging uh the challenges of having way too many browser sessions open up in a in a in a misaligned or misconfigured uh desktop environment hey guys um we as integra are big fans of virtual gpu one of the challenges with virtual or physical but virtual gpu in a multi-session environment whether it's server os or client os is not having real boundaries that prevent one user from stepping on another. Any uh, possibility Wim might be able to help us out there someday, Alan? I guess I'll take the, the initial step there. Uh, a, a possibility, um, when, when you look at GPUs, things are a little bit more specific there, certainly, whether, I mean, primarily on the NVIDIA side or even from AMD and Intel, there, there's a lot that, that goes into some of the scheduling elements, but we are seeing more GPU adoption across mainstream use cases. And that's something that, that could potentially be considered. I know, at least from the marketing side, I, I meet regularly with the NVIDIA uh, and the AMD teams, and, and there's a lot of great uh, innovation happening there, especially on the cloud front, right? And um, you look at like the Azure NV series and, and some of the new... Um, uh, yeah, GPU virtualization options, whereas in the past in the cloud, right, you basically, you know, kind of got that whole GPU. And let's be honest, like for many cloud VDI workloads, you didn't need that whole GPU, right, with 32 gigs of RAM and, um, you know, pretty pretty beefy, um, uh, you know, you know, clock speed and, and such. So, um, yeah, so I, I'd say that there there is a possibility there. Um, GPUs is a is a continually evolving space for us. And there's a lot of exciting things happening there. Yeah. Where, where do I put in my feature request? I think that's a game changer. If you guys could let me get GPUs in multi-sessions, but not worry about us stepping on each other. I pulled up on the screen you know, right. my actual virtual desktop I use all the time, except when I'm doing podcasts. Um, and, you know, I've, we've got GPU in every single one of our um, VDIs these days because it just makes it so much snappy. You're going back to Todd's, Todd and I's conversation a while ago. We want it to be native experience-like computers all have GPUs in them. You take the GPU out and expect the CPU to make up that difference, you're going to fail. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Interesting use case. Yeah, we should follow up on that one. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you where to send the royalty checks. <laughs> all right, next on the list here is app security. Um, what is WIM doing to add additional security around application execution? And I believe you might as well go ahead and hit this one around privileged elevation. Yeah, definitely. So on the app security front, it, it really comes down to uh, things like app locker, uh, encryption, understanding the security footprint of the specific VMs, and some of the, um, um, the specific policies that, that apply to it. So uh, basically, you can work with uh, different app locker policies. And we know that this is common among some of our customers and how they, um, how they basically define their images and not even in some high security environments, but again, just the notion that you've got so many users working remote now that you want to ensure that you're uh, taking these defense in depth uh, mechanisms. Um, so, so WEM has some of these capabilities. And the other thing that we want to touch on too, that's important. Many of these capabilities in WEM, in this WEM cloud service, and consequently in the Citrix optimization pack for native as your virtual desktop, you're getting these same capabilities as if you have the full-on Citrix DAS solution, right? So I think that's important to note. Uh, certainly you don't 
you don't get the full um, HTX suite of user experience technologies in the ICA protocol if you're running in native Azure virtual desktop. But when we talk about WEM, you get a lot of these core capabilities because like was mentioned earlier, these are mostly agnostic to the underlying platform that you run on. And you know, when we, when we first acquired and we're working with the solution, this was something that even ran on, on physical systems too. Uh, so just wanted to point that out. Um, and then, you know, when we talk about the, um, the application um, security, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, if you've got legacy applications, homegrown applications, what I think pretty much every organization does nowadays, WEM is a fantastic way to securely deliver those while hopefully at the same time, you can put a plan in place to modernize those applications and figure out a best path forward. The applications run under the context of WEM, so users never need to have elevated access rights and it has a full paper trail so you can understand when and how users are accessing these applications, what exactly is going on. Um, if you need to run additional scripts, additional parameters, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, in fact, you can even specify time periods that users are allowed to run these elevated applications and say, hey, you know what? This internal homegrown <laughs> legacy application, we only want to run explicitly during the hours of nine to five. If the users access the system after hours, that's great. They can access the other apps, but they cannot access this app as an elevated app. So there's a lot of control that uh, that WEM delivers. And just, again, those, those defense in-depth strategies is part of it. I hope there's somebody listening to, you know, listening or watching the video that goes along with this someday that goes, I have no idea. And I've been struggling with that for years because we, we run into those people all the time that just don't know what all has been brought into the Citrix portfolio and, you know, didn't know there were solutions out there to fix this stuff anyway. They're still running around. I met one the other week where every user has admin rights. Uh, a thousand persistent desktops running in Azure with every user having admin rights. We still see that, Andy, um, in, particularly in Citrix environments. I don't know that I've, I've seen it in Azure, but I'm sure it's there. Um, but, uh, you know, this was this was the domain of third-party products for a long time, uh, the ability to, to elevate, you know, privileges to allow uh, processes to run in the context of an admin, like Alan was referring to. Um, and it's, it's, you know, really nice to see this as part of the, the basic WIM offering both from a Citrix perspective as well as in Azure, because this is a problem that, that customers, a real world problem that customers experience, especially with those legacy apps that need, that are putting things in the wrong place in, in on the system that require that elevation to even run. Yeah, and and, and one other thing, just, just on the security side, because we're so closely tied into the operating system and we understand the native APIs and how to hook them, we can secure any child processes that get run or if, say, a legacy application spawns off you know, a command prompt right, or a PowerShell prompt, there's even the ability to further control that through WEM and decide what should and shouldn't uh, be allowed. So it, it really provides a, a truly hardened approach while at the same time ensuring that users can be productive and, and get things that done that they need to day to day. So... And Go ahead, Todd. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think it's even more critical nowadays that everyone is having to maintain a level of compliance and show auditors, you know, things like what user accounts have administrative privileges, whether they be on the domain itself or whether they be on local machines um, and the ability to track when a user does 
ask for that elevated privileges to do a specific task or install a plugin or do something that's unique to their session or their specific uh, use case and be able to actually manage it much better and still maintain that high level of security as well as that, that maintain that those levels of compliance as well. Well, I liked again that you used the word manage because in the past, somebody got admin rights in a group, a local group somewhere. And unless you had a task to go back and fix that, they kept it forever. And it's just like that something you threw under the bed that just kept building up, building up. Now it's time to move and you got a, you got a, you got a damn mess at that point. Um, Self-elevation, I don't know. Did you guys, did we hit on that uh, as part of this security piece? Uh, Todd alluded to that a little bit, but in addition to the administrator kind of defining which applications should run with elevated permission and how you go about doing that, users can request elevated permissions if they if they need to install something or work with uh, an executable that requires it. And this is something that that can be approved or or disapproved, and again, providing that full full paper trail. So it works on both sides, predefined by the admin, as well as the end user actually requesting things when needed. Because at the end of the day, you can't possibly define every request that may come in. And guys, where does that, uh, the the request by the user, where does that show up? Where does, where does an admin know that that's happening or needs to happen? Yeah, so I believe it'll actually show up in the console and there's a way you can get, um, alerted on that as well. So basically just in the context menu, you can request elevated uh, permission on that particular executable. And then it kind of kicks off uh, a workflow. So that can be approved. And the administrator could even define in advance specific users to kind of auto approve and and how they want that to kind of uh, play out. So good amount of flexibility. And this is an area that was introduced several quarters back, we continue to uh, iterate and improve on it. And as always, customer feedback is welcome. So let's hit this last one, uh, scripted task. I mean, there's lots of ways to have tasks happen in our technology worlds today, but what is WIM bringing to the world of scripted tasks, specifically around the end user and the desktop management? Yeah, so... So scripted task is all around ensuring the, um, the customizability or maybe if there's um, uh, specific tweaks or updates that need to be done uh, to a system, you could potentially use it to install software as well. Though admittedly, I, you know, there's other ways you, you can go about doing that, but managing the life cycle of systems. And especially when we talk about uh, specific dedicated systems or managing something ad hoc outside of the um uh, the full-on image lifecycle update process and kicking out a new revision for the platform, it, it, it's a great way to securely ensure that these updates are being pushed to, um, uh, to the system. While at the same time, again, having that paper trail, WEM is very big on ensuring appropriate logging at the agent level and at the console level. So you have a great amount of insight into what's happening. And should you have an issue with a particular um, you know, task or script or other function, you know exactly where it happened. And in many cases, why that, that may be the case. So um, yeah, so th this, is, this is a great one. And it just, it goes to show how well-rounded the, the WEM solution is. Uh, 
you know, in addition to its core capabilities of optimizing performance and, uh, and scalability. Yeah. Interesting. Bill Todd, any thoughts on scripted tasks? He's using auto exec.bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or, uh, some of the, the really squirrely older ones. I can't, I can't even remember the names of them, but, uh, yeah, much, much more, um, seamless than, than we've dealt with in the past. Yeah. And, and I, I really, you know, Alan hit on a very critical uh, comment here is that all of these tasks can be captured so that you have a log of what hack, what actually happened and what has been running, right? Because, you know, we don't want to have these abandoned processes or these orphan processes running out there. Um, just like you don't want to have, you know, the, the, the folks that got elevated privileges and were then those privileges were never taken away. Right. So there's some, there's some great things here uh, that WEM is bringing to the table here that we can, we can definitely leverage both as an administrator, as well as uh, security professionals. Hey, Alan, crazy thought here, but is there any, like if you had a trusted partner or two that had an agent that could go in as part of the WIM agent install, is there ever been talk about, allowing that to be bundled in with whim and the agent. Interesting thought. Uh, I haven't heard it come up in, in, in conversations, but definitely something to consider in terms of trusted partners, or if some of our uh, Citrix ready ecosystem members are, are looking to, to get something in there. Yeah. It, it's a possibility. Um, I mean, one, one thing that we often hear is like, it's like APIs, right. From the, from that side, it's like, give us the APIs, give us the APIs. You know, we, we want to be able to to tie in to uh, the capabilities and the data set. Um, but yeah, no, WEM, WEM's, WEM's come a long way. It, it continues to have an active roadmap. Um, yeah, and there's there's definitely a lot a lot more that we can do. And on that note, I just want to say, like, when we talk about the partner community, right, Citrix is always of the mindset of the 80-20 rule, right? We want to get most of the customers most of the way there. And then we realize for them to get all the way there and meet all the use cases, that's where, you know, the partner ecosystem comes in, you know, trusted channel uh, players such as yourselves and all these other software and hardware vendors in, in Citrix ready to really help complete the solution. And that's why I always say it's, it's very much a complement, not compete, yeah. right? We provide that core set of, of functionality and, and all these other great vendors provide additional capabilities for, for customers that, that do need to take it that, that extra mile to meet their business challenges. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be foolish to think you're solving all the challenges because there's challenges that will be realized today that you, you didn't think about, didn't had no idea that even mattered to somebody, but somebody will need it. Exactly. Some of them are vertical specific. Some of them may be even regional uh, specific. Um, yeah. There's new challenges every day. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you jumping on. Todd, anything else uh, on this topic that you want to bring up? I think we've uh, I think we've covered a lot um, for for what was uh, what I thought was going to be a sim very simple topic is uh, turned into a, a ton of information that we shared here. And uh, you know, there's all kinds of great places to learn more about it, uh, whether it be you know Citrix Tech Zone or call up uh, your your Citrix rep or you know, call anyone from Zentegra and I'm sure you guys will be willing to help guide customers in the right direction. There's so much to talk to customers about. I went on a road trip last week and got through with these meetings and realized there was a thousand things I could have brought up based on what we discussed and just didn't have enough time. So that, that's the whole idea of partnership, right? Let's 
let's build and evolve a partnership where at some point I know what you know, and I'm not bringing up old stuff and I'm telling you new stuff that I, I know you're missing. Hey, Bill, you've been uh, running a team, implementing WIM and implementing WIM yourself for well, maybe five years or more. I don't know how long Citrix has had it, uh, probably close to a decade now. Unfortunately, time's flying. Uh, any additional points on WIM? Yeah, I wanted to, I really kind of wanted to, you know, since we've got him here, ask uh, Alan a couple of real quick questions about this agent and about the other one. Nothing, nothing outside of our topic here, but uh, I know that uh, when it comes to deploying the WEM agent that you need on a in a Citrix environment, it's it's an option when you install the receiver, correct? Um, it it is in the in the meta installer. Yeah, uh, on yeah. Azure, I assume you're pulling it down from the Azure Marketplace or something to get it into the virtual desktop environment, or pulling it from the web console, one or the other. Um, yeah, so so more the latter, uh, and, and great question. So you know, customers that are native Azure virtual desktop customers. In some cases, they may or may not be familiar with Citrix, right? It could be their, their first Citrix service that they're taking advantage of. And if that's the case, we certainly welcome you to our ecosystem. But there are some notable differences from using workspace environment management within Citrix solutions versus using it in the optimization pack. So I'm, I'm glad that this was brought up. When you uh, take advantage of the optimization pack, either purchasing it through Azure Marketplace or, or through a partner, you'll effectively have the workspace environment management cloud service tile in Citrix Cloud. And you'll be able to download the agent right from the, right from the main screen, the, the new modern uh, web console. We've clearly defined the steps you need to get going. Uh, very quick time to value. The links are there to, uh, to download the agent um, and, and other components, uh, as well as we have a getting started guide and I think this is a great prop for, uh, I think Todd mentioned earlier, uh, TechZone, fantastic collateral on TechZone around reference architectures, deployment guides. There's um, there's new video series there. And I've been looking after the broader content plan as we've launched this optimization pack and as we look to just really up-level some of the existing workspace environment management content that we have. So uh, stay tuned. There's a lot more great content uh, planned. Uh, separate landing pages, more videos, hopefully have some uh, courseware as well. Uh, but but yes, everything customers need will be available within the workspace environment management service. And then we, we put together a nice, uh, a nice package to help them get going. Hey, Alan, what's next on the list of uh, native AVD things that are coming and you can just say, you'll just have to wait or you can give us the secret message, whatever it is. Um, yeah, honestly, you'll just have to wait. I don't even know myself. <laughs> and that's 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 just the truth there. But I mean, this is something that Microsoft's incredibly excited about. We have regular meetings with the Microsoft team and and just to have something that works natively on Azure Virtual Desktop. Of course, you know, our solutions, be it Citrix DAS or on-premises, give you additional uh, value and cost savings and hybrid and multi-cloud and uh, things above and beyond what you can do with native AVD. But we realize for some customers where native AVD is the way they want to go for whatever reason, very pleased that Citrix has a solution for that now. And I think very quickly customers that take advantage of the optimization pack, uh, they're going to see exactly what we can do and the value that we bring to the table. Yeah. Okay. We'll pay attention and see what else Citrix does for native yeah. AVD. Guys, thanks for joining. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thanks for, thanks having, for having us. And uh, we'll do it again in about a week. Thank you, everybody. Thanks.